This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's a minute after 12 o'clock. This is Toronto Today. Hogan with you until 1 o'clock. Scotty Mack in at that point. Uh, his final day before they do the, uh, the well-discussed or oft-discussed trip to Chicago. The family trip to see the Jays and the Cubs this weekend at Wrigley. Coming up a little bit later on this hour, Shane Knighty will drop by from, well, I guess still from Winnipeg, but he's heading down to Vegas uh, as part of the first-ever television crew for the Golden Knights of Las Vegas. So we'll talk to Shane about that move. Vincent Bon Sr. will join us from the LA Daily News. This is going to be an interesting year for the Los Angeles Rams, especially for their quarterback. We'll get into that with Vincent in about 15 minutes. First up, though, uh, the Argonauts getting ready. Huge game against Montreal this weekend, and all Argo fans, and I assume Argo players, and this is no disrespect to the backups, but everybody's got their fingers crossed that Ricky Ray will be ready. He was at practice yesterday, took uh, all of the reps with the number ones, and joining us now from Argo practice to see uh, how he followed that up is Matt Shinetti from uh, the TSN sidelines and uh, sneaker salesman extraordinaire. What's going up? Hoagie, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm hanging in. Uh, hopefully not as good as Ricky Ray. How did uh, how did he look so far today? Uh, they're currently in a stretching session. Uh, and uh, as you know, before, just to give fans a little idea, these these practices are very intricate and very well-timed. So when they come out here, they usually do a, a light uh, a light team drill and and go through uh, go through certain motions and and Ricky was uh, again with the ones tossing the ball very uh, very gingerly but I imagine very shortly here when they get into first team offense against first team defense will uh, we will certainly see how um, how he looks uh, but if anything if anything is to go off of yesterday the fact that he was out there immediately with the uh, first team offense is a good indication that he's uh, not feeling as sore as he was last week. I went out yesterday, and uh, he was part of a media scrum, and then I had a, a little chance to talk to him afterwards. But the one thing that he he was talking about that uh, that really, I guess, if you're looking at this from the Argo perspective, would would be a positive sign is, well, he didn't throw for four days after the injury. He's been able to throw every day since. And there's a, there's only a little bit of discomfort now. There's no sharp pain, which I think from his aspect is is the best news possible. Yeah, this is the thing, and excuse me, we are in a flight path here, so that's the plane going overhead. <laughs> yeah. um, the one thing I think everyone needs to understand about Ricky Ray and his shoulder, much like Travis Lule out in uh, B.C. with his shoulder, uh, he knows better than anybody else how it feels. He's been through this injury before. He's had reconstructive shoulder uh, surgery, and I think uh, that's what Mark Tressman is going to go off of and the uh, head physio for the Argos, Scott Shannon, are going to very much rely on Ricky to, to to let them know what he's feeling. And there's there's one thing about Ricky Ray, he is he is honest and sure. he's he's not gonna go ahead and, and pump anything up or talk anything down. He's just gonna be very blunt and if he were if he were feeling any discomfort today, if you're feeling any uh, ill effects to maybe stretching that shoulder out a little bit more and trying to find his range of range of motion a little bit more, then I think you would have gone ahead and seen um, yesterday that he uh, uh, that he would not be up today, uh, but he is literally just running past me right now. <clears throat> excuse me, going through his drills with the uh, with the quarterbacks. Ricky's running. How can you tell? 
Oh, it's that little saunter. <laughs> it's that little jog. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, as, that's as full of a stride as you're yeah. ever going to see Ricky Ray. And the good news is, again, if there was acute pain, he wouldn't be doing this. And, I, I you know, I'm no doctor, but from what I understand about the injury, um, it might just be a case of inflammation now. And if that's the case, you pop a couple of anti-inflams before the game and uh, take a maybe painkiller afterwards or whatever you need to, 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 to get it okay. And, and Bob's your uncle. But, boy, they need him, don't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and if you you if you'll permit me, I want to play devil's advocate here, okay. um, Hoagie, because yep. I, I was just doing a, a hit with Farhan Longi and, and Dave Naylor. I don't see why you you play Ricky Ray this week. I think Cody Fajardo showed you enough in Montreal. Really, that you give him uh, you give him a little bit more time. And the reason I say that is, uh, let's be honest with each other. The Argos have had protection issues this season, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons Ricky got injured is because he got hit, and he's been hit quite a bit. Over the over the course of this year, yes, I understand. Ricky Ray's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he has looked, and the stats bear out. Uh, he hasn't played, and he is still second in the in the league and in passing yards. And you you cannot deny his his value to this offense. Uh, but this is a long season. We're only in August. If you have to play, sometimes in football, you have to play the percentages. And and if you're going up against a defense as physical and as intimidating as the Montreal Alouettes are, uh, and if anybody who's never ever not watched the uh, Alouettes defense, think of them as, cl- as, as close to an embodiment of, of the old Raiders defenses as, as, as you can get, because Noel Thorpe, the, de- the defensive coordinator, uh, he's coming for you on every play. Sure. And we saw that. <laughs> no, nothing exemplified that more maybe than, um, than some of the shots Anthony Coombs took. Uh, Kyrie Bear uh, obviously got the ire of, of, of Brandon Whitaker in hitting Cody Fajardo out of bounds. I mean, Noel Thorpe is not going to scale down because Ricky Ray's back. If anything, he's going to amp it up. And if Ray's back there, that means that the uh, the Argos offensive line is is going to be uh, is going to have a lot uh, a lot to deal with. Um, but again, I'm not Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator. I'm not Mark Tressman, the head coach. But if I were them, I would have given Ray just one more week, given that this 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 race in the East is so tight, and that we're not even into December yet. I think you may have just answered your own question. We talked about this on on the Double Blue podcast last week, and JJ said, you know, even when there was talk about Ricky uh, playing, he said, "No way, I play him this week because it's a long season." But I think I think that the two of us are in agreement. We didn't really talk about this yesterday. I don't think uh, on the podcast we may have off Mike, but. Um, and this, this shouldn't matter, but it probably does in pro football. If they were in Calgary this week, I'd probably give them another week off. This is Montreal. It's a divisional rival. You don't want to let them get too far ahead of you in the standings. And you've, it's a winnable game with Ricky Ray. Um, with with or without Ricky Ray, you might not beat the Stampeders in, in Calgary. Uh, you, that may force things. And again, Ricky Ray is the final determining guy, right? I mean, he's not going to risk his career by going out a game too early. No, but I go back to this, you know, Fajardo, um, and this is the greatest amount of respect to Jeff Matthews. I think he had his opportunity and, and clearly lost it. That's yeah. why Fajardo started the second half. Yep. Um, but even Fajardo admitted himself afterwards that there were throws that he would have wanted back. Penalties took took away. It drops took away. Yeah. would have been some key, uh, key, key passes that would have extended drives or gotten scores. Um, I like what I see from from Fajardo. Reminds me a lot of of maybe some of the earlier stuff that um, Caleros was showing back in 2013. Although Caleros obviously is more of a run, uh, not, not doesn't run as smoothly, especially now as Cody Fajardo. But mm-hmm. um, I just would have given Fajardo another another try at it because again, nothing you get so such small time in football to recover, especially in the CFL, especially Hoagie. If you look at the Argos. 
um, and some of the stuff they'll have to deal with after Labor Day. Um, there, there are just pockets in this schedule that are unforgiving, uh, and I just would have given Ray just a little bit more time. But there is no substitute, as you rightly say. There is absolutely no substitute at any point in this season uh, for taking for, ta- for making the most of an opportunity. And if you can beat the Alouettes at home uh, and 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 keep that gap or completely eliminate that gap in the East, it is to your benefit. Um, but again, and we have to talk about this because it's happened every single year that Ricky has been here. Mm-hmm. If he gets hit again and he falls on that shoulder again, that could happen at any moment. He could he could rest for five more weeks and it could happen. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I, at least I hope from Mark Tresman's perspective, that he saw enough out of Cody Fajardo uh, last week that if that were to pass, um, that he has enough confidence in him. But, you know, Ricky, I just saw him toss uh, a what would be a 40-yard ball to Fajardo, um, soft toss across the field. So it looks like his range of motion is okay. Uh, that is obviously good news. The other thing that, 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 that concerned me a little bit about Fajardo, and, and again, it's frustrating when you're not at the game because you can't sneak a peek at what the coverages are, right? I mean, the TV, the TV shot, as it is every game and every level of football, is fairly tight to the quarterback and the O-line. You rarely see what's, what's going on unless you get a replay. Um, so I don't know what the coverages were that Cody was facing for the most part, but the one thing that, that, that I was impressed by Fajardo in the preseason that I didn't see on Friday night was Fajardo seemed a little more anxious to run on Friday as opposed to the preseason when I thought he had taken the next step and was looked a little more patient and would hang on to the ball for maybe an extra half second, maybe an extra second to give receivers an opportunity to get free. And that's what I thought his strongest attribute was in the preseason, that he had developed that little extra patience that I didn't see on Friday. Yeah, and I think also, too, there is a... Um it's particularly for Gerald because those who watched him last year will remember that some playing time that he got in garbage time in a game, uh, he did extend out for a touchdown and injured his forearm. Right. Uh, yeah. Finding that uh, balance between, as Marcus Brady was explaining it, being cavalier and, and, and reaching out in that you know Mike Riley-esque way that we've seen the Eskimos quarterback do for that extra yard, mm-hmm. that first down, and also being able to, uh, as this offense often asks you to do, to be patient, to let the defense, to take what the defense is giving you, to go through your reads, to go through your progressions, and find the open receiver. And Fajardo, uh, he's a young quarterback, and, and in, in a lot of ways, and this is why I think they started Jeff Matthews last week. They started Matthews because he, um, you know, he had starting experience. He had beaten Montreal in the past. But the one thing Fajardo has, and you could see it immediately, is he can he can tip the field when he runs, and he's he's a big body. Obviously, he, he has no problem dipping his shoulder in to get a few extra yards, but he also has an arm on him. And he um, maybe accuracy was, was the problem, and he, he expressed it himself that he was a little nervous and rushed a few throws, and you could see that a couple bounced off the turf. But uh, as it always is with the Argos, you go back from Darius Jackson to Zach Caleros to Trevor Harris. Um, the Argos have had, maybe for the first time in their history, a period where uh, it's, there, there isn't an incredible dip um, maybe the exception being last year and some of the interception troubles that Logan Kilgore got into when Ricky yeah. Ray got injured. Uh, but I think the Argos have um, have an interesting project in, in Cody Fajardo if they do indeed need to uh, to go back and use him. But I can tell you right now, first team, uh, first team offense has just started, uh, and Ricky Ray is under center. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Take care, Hoagie. That is uh, the one and only Matt Shinetti joining us from 
Argo practice today with more good news for Argo fans. Ricky Ray once again taking the uh, reps with the first team. That's important uh, at this stage just uh, after the shoulder injury. To the fact that he's going back-to-back again and getting the throws in. He wasn't up to a, a complete speed yesterday as far as the number of throws, so they're limiting there. But he was able to make every throw that he wanted to yesterday and, and, and not uh, really suffer for it. Uh, shall we do a quick poll update here? Huh? 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 Mr. Narsa? Mr. Sure, Producer, let's do it. Uh, the, the question today, and eh, forget about the Blue Jays one, the one that matters today, the poll question that matters is read James Bond. What's the poll question today? Which current or former superstar would be a great choice to be James Bond? Nice. And uh, what is, uh, what, where are we, for those who haven't heard this as we've been going uh, throughout the broadcast, who were the four ch- uh, final choices that we came up with? They were Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Henrik Lundqvist, Derek Jeter, and Magic Johnson. Nice. That's that's a solid four. I think so. That's a very solid final four. There are no 16 seeds in this. No. So in the lead is Henrik Lundqvist, the king himself, mm-hmm. 57%. Wow. 26% in second, Tom Brady. Starting to catch up at 14% in third, Derek Jeter. And in last, Magic Johnson, who's starting to lose votes. He's at 3%. 3%? Yeah. For yeah. Magic as Bond. I wonder what the reason... Uh, maybe it's just they feel the other guys are better. It's no disrespect to or Magic. Age. Yeah. Okay. You need to be spry for saving the world. How old is Daniel Craig? 108? He's not that young. Is he? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm gonna. I'm just. Just bear with me here because I'm gonna look this up. I bet he's younger than Magic, though. Uh, Daniel Craig is 49 years old. No, really? Yeah. Looks like 40. Yeah, looks like 40. Did not so think he was 50. So huh? there's not that much difference between Daniel Craig at uh, age 49 and Magic Johnson is 58. So it's uh, nine years. Magic looks good for 58. Looking solid, can rock the tux. So that's the question. If you have not only a, a response for us, uh, but if you uh, if you would like to uh, basically give us a write-in candidate, feel free right now at TSN 1050 Radio, at TSN Mike Hogan. Uh, Shane Knight is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, the uh, former NHL defenseman who's leaving Winnipeg for Las Vegas. Uh, he is leaving the Winnipeg Jets broadcast crew and going to do the same gig on the TV side down in Vegas. So that's that's a bit of a culture shock. First up, though, um, Vegas going through the new NHL team this year. Last year, it was the LA Rams going to uh, going back home again, as it were. Vincent Bonsignor joins us. He is uh, a reporter for the LA Daily News. Vincent, thank you for joining us. You got it. No uh, problem. Before we move forward, what was last year like? Not just necessarily, we know what happened on the field, but just being in L.A., the vibe, all of that good stuff about the Rams coming home. Um, That's a great question. Unsettled. Uh, The whole season seemed uh, like everybody from us in the media to the Rams, to the players, to their coaching staff, to everyone, was just playing catch-up. I mean, just trying to get settled in. You know, I always use this analogy. The Rams, uh, 21 years ago, were like, uh, you know, I hate to use this kind of analogy, but it's true almost. You know, it's like your dad walked out of your fa- on, on your family 21 years ago and, yeah. and left. And, you know, we're okay, gave up, and uh, we moved on with our lives, and all of a sudden he comes knocking on your door, and, you, you, you know, you want to embrace him, you want to love him, but it's, it's a little bit awkward. And I think last year for everybody was still a bit of a transition and a bit awkward. It's a lot different now. I feel like everyone's a little, more, a little bit more settled in. Uh, the team specifically, they seem a little bit more comfortable 
this year compared to last year. That might be the best sports analogy I've ever heard. That was awesome. Um, so now that they're back, how has the team been received, but primarily in the offseason as they're looking for media attention in a very saturated, maybe oversaturated sports market? Yeah, and, and that's, that's the other you know, part of it, uh, them finding their niche, um, where they fit in the sports landscape when you also have the Dodgers who are playing fabulously right now, and the Lakers, obviously, they rule this town yeah. in a big, major way. The Clippers are good. The USC football, the Angels, the Kings, you know, uh, where do they fit in? And I think that you know, they obviously have a strong foothold here from their previous um, time in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's a very hardcore group of Ram fans, but the key for them will be to expand beyond that and start tapping into, you know, the fence that there's a lot of people. It, it's it's kind of a, it's interesting, and I'm sure Toronto is is in the same category. You know, when you go without football, people figure out different ways to be fans, whether they're fans of a specific team or fantasy football or whatever the case might be. Um, and for 21 years, a lot of people grew up you know, uh, approaching the NFL that way. And now all of a sudden they're being asked to support a particular team and now two teams really with the Chargers uh, and yeah. how that all plays out and who ends up winning over the sort of the, the, the fence sitters. And there's a lot of them. There's, there's fans right now, and I talk to a lot of them. Hey, who should I root for? Tell me about the Chargers. Who, what about the Rams? You know, and who's better? You know, and, and, and I think they're waiting to be wooed in a lot of ways. Uh, so it's going to be fascinating to see who gets out in front of who uh, in that process. When I was a little kid, way back in the day, the Rams were my first favorite NFL team. Uh, then they traded Roman Gabriel, and all bets were off. And uh, uh, I, I kind of followed him to Philly, but loved the Rams back in the day. And it was the, the fan base there uh, was very passionate about that football team. Is there a way to get that back? Like I'm, I'm, I'm even a little surprised that people are on the fence about this and asking about the Chargers. I know they're a Southern California team, but still, uh, just from you know, way, way, way away in Toronto, it would seem the Rams would be an obvious pick to be sort of the local favorite team as opposed to the Chargers. Well, and they, and they are. They are, you know, um, statistically, you know, there's plenty more Ram fans than there are, you know, Charger fans. Um, you know, but there's, like I said, there's uh, 21 years, two decades, a generation yeah. or two uh, grew up without the Rams being the team. So, you know, that, that changes the dynamic uh, in, incredibly. And, and, you know, people say, well, you know, the Chargers-Rams are going to be a um, Lakers-Clippers situation. Well, for that dynamic to be true, you need the Laker presence. And right now, the Rams aren't the Laker presence. You know, they, they, you, you gave that up when you left for 21 years. You just don't come back and get that back. So it'll be a process. And on the other, you know, uh, we have to add as well, it was a bad football team last yep. year. It wasn't just a bad team. It was a boring, bad football team. And that's the double whammy that you never want. Um, but it's, this is, they're looking at this in the long haul, as we all should be. They're still playing in the Coliseum for the next three years. You know, people are going to be blown away when they see the new stadium and, and you know, what it anchors, the development that it anchors uh, in Inglewood. I think that's going to change things. But, there's three years before that stadium opens, and those three years, both the Rams and Chargers are going to be fighting for some of the same fans, uh, and that's why I say it's going to be interesting to see who gets out in front of who in that process. Vince Bond Sr. joining us from the LA Daily News. Um, Jared Goff not only expected to be a great player when you're selected first overall, but I assume there's a marketing potential there as well. Um, how does he fit in the market, or is it just is, is, is he starting to lose a little bit of luster because of his performance in year one? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, unfortunately for him, um, you know, the, the team around him was really, really bad. I mean, we're talking about 
arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL, maybe even the worst group of wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, and that affected everything. It affected how he was protected. It affected um, the run game that was non-existent that, that existent that you would love to have a rookie quarterback be able to lean on and just no weapons to be able to, to throw the ball to consistently. Um, so it, to me it was unfair to judge him last year on his, on his seven games. And on top of all that, he had a coaching staff that – was you know uh, in a in another era when it came to contemporary offensive football and nothing against Jeff Fisher that's what he believes in but I think he did Jared Goff a disservice in the offense that he ran and not only that but you know when you invest six picks in the number to go get the number one pick yeah. in the draft and it's a quarterback and you decide to make your former tight ends coach the offensive coordinator and you hire. Uh, a quarterback, a coach, and Chris Wenke, who had no uh, NFL experience developing quarterbacks, you're doing your asset a disservice. And they've addressed that big time this year with the hiring of Sean McVay and who he's surrounded himself and Jared with uh, from, a, from a coaching perspective. And then they went out and got a Robert Woods, a wide receiver, and Andrew Whitworth, obviously Sammy Watkins on Friday, which yeah. was a big deal. Um, so they've won about improving the infrastructure around Jared Goff. And now, I mean, I think he's at least in a position now from a schematic and a talent standpoint where whatever Jared Goff's ceiling is, he's got a better chance now of reaching it um, than, than he did at any point last year. The casual NFL fan will know who Sammy Watkins is but won't know who Andrew Whitworth is, uh, who's just been a stud at left tackle. Yeah. Which, which one of those acquisitions is more important to the development of Goff? We were literally just talking about that. Um, and I think, you know, Andrew Whitworth is a guy who he's just going to lock down left tackle. He makes – I mean, the Rams had the worst left tackle in the National Football League last year. Now they have one of the best. So that just changes everything. It allows – you to you know the coaching staff to understand hey Andrew's got that guy by himself we don't need tight end help what does that do well now your tight ends could be a major part of the passing game which is a, a staple of Sean McVay's offense so it helps that it helps Todd Gurley so if the running game is better then Jared Goff is going to have a better opportunity so to me Andrew Whitworth is a huge huge addition but then you throw Sammy Watkins and you know obviously it's predicated on him being healthy but he's exactly what they haven't had for years and you throw him on top of robert woods and andrew whitworth and cooper cup the wide receiver that they drafted from eastern washington who's really played well in training camp and, and in the preseason and you throw that asset in a in a sammy watkins who can stretch the field who go up and get it who can you know be a dynamic force draw defensive attention to him which is going to open up things for other guys it's hard to say. I think I'm going to, I'm going to say 50-50. That's equal. It's an equally, uh, and, and again, Sammy has to be healthy, but if he is, then those two additions are, to me, as, as, as impactful as any additions across the NFL. Well, I'm happy for Goff having that toy. I mean, look what happened to Sam Bradford with the Rams in another city, but he never had, like, Danny Amendola, maybe his best ever receiver. Right. And and now Goff at least has that option, and we know he's got the stud at running back in Gurley, so th- at least he's going to have a fighting chance. With that said, what do you expect to see out of him in year two? Uh, I, I expect to see a, a definite – I think by the end of this season – we're going to know um, somewhat at least one way or another, hey, is this the guy that you're going to be able to march into the future with? You know, is he the guy that you thought he was going to be when you picked him number one? Um, it may not reflect in record. You know, I mean, I think, I think Watkins, um, on top of the other additions, you know, you're probably three extra wins, four extra wins, and even if they get to eight wins this year, yeah. it's a huge accomplishment compared to what they did last year. But I think 
I think we're going to see a better golf, a better protected golf, a, a golf with better, you know, a better system to run and better talent around him. And I think that he's going to take that step forward. But if he doesn't, then, you know, that changes everything. And all of a sudden you start wondering, hey, do the Rams need to go back out uh, on the market to get a quarterback? And lo and behold, right here in Los Angeles, you've got Sam Darnold at USC and Josh Rosen at UCLA, arguably the – definitely with Sam, he's the number one quarterback in, in college football, I believe. And Rosen's right there in the top three. So you're going to start if, – if Goff plays badly and those two are playing well – I'm already anticipating that that talk is going to start happening. I, I'm sort of Rams neutral at this stage, but man, if they wear those throwback uniforms with the bright gold, I'm watching every week. I love those uniforms. <laughs> yeah, it, right now they're going with the white um, from your Roman Gabriel days. There you go. Yes. Although they didn't change the jersey, so their jersey is going to be the white jersey. This is like, you know, I, I can't believe we're, I'm talking so much about uniforms, but it is a hot topic <laughs> in Los Angeles. Um, but they went, they went, just far, but not far enough. Because if you look closely, especially on TV, you're going to see that they have the Roman Gabriel white and you know uh, blue helmet yeah. with the blue horns. But then that jersey is still kind of the St. Louis jersey, so it looks a little off, Ooh. but a little odd. So uh, well, that's but, not going to work. What? They're moving in the right direction as far as their fans are concerned. Beautiful, Vince. I had a lot of fun with this. Thanks so much for doing this. I hope we can do it again during the season. Yeah. Call me anytime. I thank you. Thank you, Vincent. Vincent Bonsignor joining us from the LA Daily News with a look at the Rams. They are an interesting team on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, just trying to find their footing in the LA market. And think about that. That's an NFL team that isn't going to be as popular as the NCAA team there. No way they are as important to the community as USC is. Not gonna happen. Um even when the Rams were huge, USC was probably well, I don't think there's any question. When, when the Rams were going to, like, a Super Bowl in the late 70s, but USC had that progression with, you know, the, uh, Marcus Allen and Charles White and O.J. Simpson. They just had all of those running backs after running backs. Incredibly popular team. Um, we'll take the time. But we're going to come back. We're uh, going to be joined by Shane Knighty, who's leaving the peg for Vegas. We'll explain why coming up. And a reminder that Lease Busters will rescue you from your car lease. Lease Busters. Heroic? Maybe. Helpful? Totally. People would love to take over your car lease. For your lease relief, go to leasebusters.com. We'll have Shane Knighty join us next as we continue with Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Twelve thirty-one. Hogan with you. It's Toronto Today. Coming up in a couple of minutes, Shane Knighty. Before we get to Shane, uh, can we do a poll update? Joe Narsa, we had a couple of questions today, one on the Blue Jays and one on with the uh, Daniel Craig coming back as James Bond once again. That's announced. We we had a, a I guess an interesting question. I hope an interesting question about that. Well, our first poll was on the Blue Jays, and we asked you. It was a hypothetical poll because we mm-hmm. didn't want Blue Jays fans to go crazy. Yeah. We said, would you trade two or three elite Blue Jays prospects for Giancarlo Stanton to have at most or at minimum, depending how you look at it, a th- three-year playoff window of relevance? Fifty-two percent still say no. Forty-eight percent say yes. Okay, so it's still that's still remarkably close. And our second poll, which has probably been one of the most fun polls we've put up, which current former current or former superstar would be a great choice to be James Bond? Mm-hmm. And we asked either Tom Brady, Henrik Lundqvist, Derek Jeter, or Magic Johnson. You got an extra percent vote because I think you voted for him again. Actually, I didn't. I, I voted for Brady to be oh. honest. Oh, 
Okay, so well, in first is Henrik Lundqvist at 57%. Mm-hmm. In second, Tom Brady, 25. Mm-hmm. In third, Derek Jeter at 14. And in fourth, Magic Johnson with 4%. Oh, he picked up a percent. Yeah, he did. All right. Yeah. Magic getting those late votes from Hawaii, as it were. Um, I'm surprised it's this one-sided, to be honest. We have a couple of hundred votes in. I'm surprised it's this one-sided. Are you? Do you think I, this would be much closer? I thought, I thought, honestly, I thought Brady was going to win. Me this. too, because right, right when you said it, I was like Tom Brady. Well, and we were the first like, name yes. that comes to mind, right? Yeah, I thought Tom Brady would like, if not run away with it, I thought it'd be Tom Brady, but tied at least with Lungfist. Mm-hmm. And, and have have we gotten any other write-in votes uh, of note? Yes, uh, at Sharp Gregory said my submission for James Bond discussion is Cristiano Ronaldo. But he could be either Bond or the Bond villain. <laughs> oh, you know who the Bond villain is? His who? statue. That's yes. the Bond villain. A Bond versus Bond. The, like, the statue <laughs> comes alive. Bond has to destroy the statue. But the statue doesn't look anything like him. So it's not like it's a twin or anything. No, it's like, an, it's like what, when you have like an evil uh, clone or something. It looks bad. By the way, the worst stat, this, this came up last week in discussion, because just south of Buffalo, toward Pennsylvania, I forget the name of it, Jamestown or somewhere like that, there's a, a comedy festival, and they get really big names to go to this. And the, the comedy festival is named in honor of Lucille Ball, who is from that era, the area, the great comedian from back in the day. The statue that they initially put up for Lucille Ball was hideous. It looked like, I don't know, some sort of monster from a 1950s monster movie. It looked like she had gills. It will it couldn't have been worse. And thankfully they've taken that down subsequently and put up a new one that actually looks like her. But the first one, like the I, I don't know if you got a chance to see this, and maybe it came up if somebody did a list online of terrible statues when uh, when the Ronaldo thing came out. But if you have time, just Google Lucille Ball statue, uh, and the first one was just oh my lord! It didn't look, it didn't even look human. It was terrible. Um, this should be fun uh, because uh, good news for our next guest uh, because uh, there's a, a move coming and it's it's kind of going from one extreme to the other in climate etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Shane Knighty is is leaving Winnipeg and working with the Jets on the on the broadcast team and moving down to Vegas for, to work with the Golden Knights and he joins us now. Congratulations, Shane. Oh, thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's great opportunity. Um, tough to leave uh you know being a manitoba boy i know we yeah. the climate will definitely be warmer but uh you know a lot of friends and family have been here uh, this is the longest place i have been uh you know since i left Nipah, which is a small town in, in manitoba when i was 15 16 years old because i didn't stay in one place much more than four years i think ottawa might have been the longest so right. yeah winnipeg's been a good home but uh, an opportunity presented itself and one i'm excited to take i'm just i'm just curious are you stalking gary lawless Oh boy! I prefer to hear it the other way. Uh, he got there first, though. Like you're following him. Yeah, he got there first. But uh, let's just say, uh, yeah, I, I applied for a completely different position. I no, no opinion. But you know what? Uh, it's always good to see a familiar face when you sure. go somewhere. And uh, there's a few of them that will be in uh, Las Vegas. So uh, you know, I think uh, building a team, and when you have some 
little bit of chemistry with guys before you get there, it always helps. It, I've been watching this process and I, I with interest because I know a couple of guys who have been in. It took a long time for them to announce uh, the cruise. Uh, they finally was it yesterday or the day oh. before they finally announced it. What what took so long? If I knew that answer, I think uh, just to check my blood pressure, it's been a long summer because, uh, well, it was. There was excitement that, you know, you, you understood. I think, you know, there's a, there's a ton of people that, uh, you know, probably applied for this position. Yeah. From what we hear, everybody. Um, and, you know, it was a long process. And I think there's a lot of other things, though, in building a team. And maybe broadcast was not at the top of the list. Obviously, yeah. they had to do the expansion draft, the regular draft, free agency. There's... There's buildings being built. There's corporate sponsors. There's a lot going on, understandable enough. And uh, this was probably one of those things that they, they, they looked, and I know they looked at a lot of tape, a lot of videos. It was a long process between them and AT&T Sportsnet, the, the network, and then the Golden Knights. So uh, it took them a long time to come to it. And uh, maybe just to put the pressure on, uh, it's been a while since I moved, but uh, I've got a couple weeks to do it. Was this an easy sell? Uh, this is just not your decision, right? Family decision on this? Yes, this is well, everything. Uh, believe me, uh, anybody who's married knows it's not sure. their, their only decision. This uh, this comes with everything. And, uh, you know, we've moved before as, as a hockey family, but uh, quite settled here. And uh, uh, it, it was a very difficult decision. It was harder than I may have thought. You know, initially there's excitement to, to join a team, a new expansion on the ground floor. But, you know, being from Manitoba, the Winnipeg Jets, TSN, uh, the fans here have just been tremendous to me and my yeah. family and all that. But, uh, you know, I've always been one to, when when something comes along, not to just stand on the outside to dive in and, and make the most of that opportunity. And this was a chance I just couldn't turn away. And as hard as it is to leave, uh, I look forward to the challenge ahead. And I think the big thing that intrigued me is, my, you know, hockey's been my life. Yeah. Winnipeg, I can turn every corner, people know just as much about hockey as I do. Down there, I get a chance to go down, and there's a lot of knowledgeable hockey people down in Vegas and the surrounding areas, but uh, there's more to Vegas outside the Strip, and I look forward to, to you know growing the game of hockey, being part of that, where we've seen it at a grassroots level, we've seen what's happened in California, we've seen what's happened you know, in Nashville, those, those teams that have come in and with Nashville and their run, to do that in, in Nevada and, and to grow the game of hockey, that's, that's the other area that really appealed to me. And that's you know that's been great for the guys who have been in those uh, those markets like Brian Elliott in in, in Atlanta or you mentioned Crispy in in, in Nashville. Yeah. Um, you know I've talked to those guys about growing the sport in a non traditional hockey market, and as much as they love the game, I think both of them enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, you know, bringing people into a sport that they love so much, they enjoyed that almost as much, if not more so, than covering the games. And that was the the part that got me excited. I love. Believe me, I love calling the NHL games. I get that to do that. I did that here in Winnipeg for a team that I believe is going to be fantastic, much like the Leafs, two young, talented hockey teams. Very exciting. Um, but I'm going to call games up for expansion. There might be some bumps in the road. There's, there's no doubt about that. But the part of growing a game that, that has been so good to me, to my family, to, to my life, to go down there and, and be a big part of it, to me, that's something you want to share. You want to be able to take that and grow it and see the successes, what's worked in other markets. That, that to me, was the exciting part of this. Well, not they're all exciting, but this was the other aspect of it that really brought my attention and, and something that I was excited to just uh, get involved with. Shane Knighty joining us, the TV color voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Have you gotten used to that name yet? <laughs> 
going to take, you know what, everything's been going 150 miles an hour at me. I haven't had much time to really settle it. I think it's one of those things when I get down there, I'll let it settle in. But uh, when you're moving a family and you're trying to get things organized here in a short period, you don't have time to sit and think yet. How much do you know about the market in terms of hockey? Are you going to be walking into this basically blind like I think every NHL fan would be? Um, like, have you even been to Vegas before you started this yeah. interview process? Well, well, I've been to Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, but that's different than being to Summerlin, the area where this beautiful top-rated practice facility rinks they're setting up there. Uh, so I was able to go out there. Uh, I wanted to check it out, took the family. And it's, it, it's something you didn't know existed for a lot of people. Like, yeah, Vegas is much more than the Strip, and it surrounds. Sure. I know Henderson and all these communities around, and Summerlin in specific that I checked out. Beautiful. Reminded me of, you know, Palm Springs, Scottsdale. Uh, you know, here in the desert, you have the Red Rock Canyon Mountains in the backdrop. Uh, you know, beautiful homes and churches, schools. Uh, you know, restaurants, malls, it's its regular living. It's not, you know, just the big flashlights and casinos everywhere. Yeah. Obviously, that's a part. But you see it, and you see people down there when we were there and talking that we, you know, might be coming down. Oh, the Golden Knights, there's a big buzz for it. So there's a lot of people there that understand the game. Uh, I think that's a good thing, but you want to spread that. You want everybody to understand and love this. And I think there's a real, you know, kind of two-year window here to, to grow the game. This is the first major sport team there for two years before obviously I believe the NFL will be there yeah. with the Oakland Raiders transfer. So you want to you want to build this as fast as you can but I think the initial reaction excitement uh, I was I was surprised by how big it is and I think it's great. People are excited about the Golden Knights coming there. This is a it's an entertainment city. You're bringing a major sport you know franchise there and people are going to jump on board. They're, they're going to take a look at this and, and the challenge obviously is to keep it interesting for you know, that longevity and to grow the game of hockey is one way to do that. Uh, I've heard ticket sales have been really good. I don't even know if you know this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Do you know if they're getting more response from, you know, the the area, the locals who live there, uh, as opposed to the, uh, you know, sort of the guys who are in there for just uh, for work purposes and just basically work for a few months and get out of Dodge? Um, or is it more corporate, where, where the casinos and some of the other industries are buying up the tickets and distributing to clients? I've heard there's great interest from the locals. There's mm-hmm. obviously going to be interest from corporate there when you look at uh, the sponsors. But I think initially everybody thought, well, these tickets are all going to be sold, you know, to, you know, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, which I know I, everywhere I go, everybody's saying, oh, I'm going to see you down there in November. <laughs> Flights were sold out from Winnipeg immediately. They're talking about doing more. So, yes, there's going to be a lot of that. But but for the most part, and I, and I got to get down there to be more clear on my facts, sure. but I remember reading an article where Bill Foley talked about that they expect a lot of great local support from their fans that, that are going to be committed fans uh, that are in Las Vegas, uh, and that's where they're going to bank on a lot of their tickets going. Yes, you're going to get the, the outpouring of the other ones, and obviously corporate sponsors is important to any franchise uh, because that brings in the money. But uh, it, I think it's it's going to be in, uh, a very profitable business here for them from, from what we're seeing initially, uh, you know, and obviously – Anything new and shiny makes it easier. Uh, the challenge is always to make it last, and I think that goes with anything. Even seeing here in Winnipeg, the first couple of years where you know there was no tickets, you couldn't you couldn't find a ticket anywhere. Now, whereas you can find it, it's still a little hard, but it's a lot easier. So um, you know, it, it looks good for the interest there, the knowledge. I, I'm excited to see that and see what people know about the game and see uh, how much they want to learn or if they are knowledgeable and all that stuff. It's all those things that. Uh, 
I'm excited to get down there and see firsthand how it looks. Now, you've been on this show with me before. I've been on your shows uh, in Winnipeg. So there's a, so we know it's a little bit here. But so can you take some friendly advice? Sure. When Winnipeg, I haven't seen the schedule. I don't know. When Winnipeg is... November 10th. Okay. So you've got it circled. Tell everybody that your house is filled with family members. Because you are going to be inundated from people from Winnipeg <laughs> asking to stay at your house. Uh, I, I've already had lots of requests, but I, I think, it's, to be honest, it's already booked that weekend. Uh, good friends of ours. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of guests. Yeah, uh, I can there, imagine. Hey, it's ha- a very nice hotel close to where we'll be living, so awesome. that, that's another option. Have fun with this, but this is going to be a fun adventure for you and your family. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty envious of this because that looks like fun. Shane, thanks so much for doing this, and I'm sure we'll talk as soon as the season gets underway. Well, it was a pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much, and any time. I appreciate it. Be well. Thanks, Shane. Shane Knighty joining us, the new color commentator for the Vegas Golden Knights. From Winnipeg to Vegas, it's a bit of a difference, especially in, say, oh, I don't know, February. If they have any reservations about leaving the home province and going to this new big adventure in Vegas, middle of January, when they see the weather in Winnipeg, I think they'll be saying, you know what? I think we made a good move when we come back. More to come. We'll get you ready. This is going to be one of the most interesting Scott MacArthur shows ever. And we'll tell you why when we come back. You are listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Back to Toronto Today. It's 10 minutes before 1 o'clock. Hogan with you. In for Wheeler today on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Coming up at the top of the hour, Scott MacArthur is in. For three hours of I have no idea what. You know what it's like. You get ready. You've got the vacation coming up. You've got a couple of weeks or a week away. And you know what the guys on Overdrive are like with Mail It in Friday? Well, Scotty's in that mode today. I am really curious to find out what the Scott MacArthur show is going to be like. He's he's off to Chicago for the weekend. They're going to see the Cubs and the Blue Jays down there. And I think Scott checked uh, mentally onto the big silver bird about three days ago and has been drilling it nonetheless during the 1-4 to four period here on TSN 1050. But you know what it's like. Screws, you're nodding your head over there. You know what it's like when you've got that vacation, the family, Scotty Mack is a gigantic Cubs fan. He's going to baseball games at Wrigley. It's the waterfront in Chicago, hanging around Grant Park and Rush Street and the Miracle Mile, all of that great stuff in Chicago. I expect a lot of deep dish pizza talk and 67-cent hamburger talk today. Is deep deep dish pizza overrated? I don't like really thin crust. The first time, you know, when you the first time I went to Chicago, I had to have deep dish pizza. And I will be honest, maybe because the expectations were so high, I was thoroughly disappointed with deep dish pizza in Chicago. See, I've never been to Chicago, but I've had deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. Overrated, yes, because I don't think it was the best pizza I had. I'm more of a thin crust guy anyway. Yeah. But it's pretty good still, nonetheless. Well, it's, it's, I don't know, lasagna on a crust, depending on what you get on it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that aspect of Joe, yes or no, could be a tiebreaker here. I think it's overrated. Yeah. I think what the silent you know, food that makes Chicago is their Greek food. 
because they have like Chicago style heroes and Chicago style. What's the Chicago style heroes? Really? Yeah, it's it's specific seasoning that like is only used in Chicago and around the U.S. Like I have family in Arizona. When I was in Arizona, the big thing was any rap place they had were Chicago style. So that's actually. So what's the spice like? Like what's it taste like? It's a bit sweeter and a little bit uh, like more seasoned. It's not as much salty. So it's just a more like sweeter meat, and I find that really? that yeah, the Greek food in uh, Chicago is the underrated like linchpin of the food. Well, there's in a Chicago. huge there's a huge Greek community there. Yeah, of, the only day we don't have Steve Eliopoulos, that would have been perfect. He, <laughs> I know he would have been on this with me. He would have known. I have. Oh, that's interesting. Have you, so you've tried it, obviously. Yeah, and I've like I've had a deep dish, and the guys on Overdrive said it best. It's really more of like a pie. Like it's more of like not a pizza. Yeah, so that's, that's fair. I you know the one thing that, again I wanted to try the ribs when I was in Chicago as well, and, and go to a different couple of different places. Not high in the depth chart, to be honest. Of all, there's a lot of good things about Chicago. It's not my it's not my favorite U.S. city. You know, it's not New York to me. It's not certainly not New Orleans to me. Um, but there are pros. I like the music there. They've got some great blues bands there. We went there once, kind of stumbled. The, the, the timing was a coincidence. But the Chicago Blues Festival was on. And, they, you know, they had the big stage in Grant Park down on the waterfront. And then they had, I don't know how many stages set up around the big stage. And you just kind of walk around and you, you could grab a beer. You know, they had a bunch of uh, licensed spot by the sponsors. And uh, it, was, it was a fun day just going around and hearing some of the local uh, musicians. And one of the great music experiences, I had Buddy Guy's got a... He's coming through uh, Casino Rama, I think, uh, pretty soon. Um, he's got a bar in Chicago. And we were there one night on amateur night. And all it was was this list of guys who were going up, and who wants to sit in? And they go, okay, let's play this song. None of the guys had played together before, but they were all awesome musicians. It was so much fun, just not knowing who was going to show up and some incredible sax players going. It was just so much fun. Like, when I think Chicago, and if you're looking for an identifiable feature outside of the Cubs and Wrigley, to me it's the music more than the food. House of Blues. Oh, sure, absolutely. No, that's... That's it's a, it's a it's a fun town to go to, but it's still it's I don't know where it would be on my depth chart, but it, man, it would not be top three, as far as major dust. I'd, I'd certainly have New Orleans and, and New York and probably Boston rated right ahead of it. If someone came to Toronto, what would you tell them to eat? Because I feel like Toronto doesn't have that. There's so a lot of cities in like New okay. York. I feel like it's pizza. Like when's, you gotta have a New York pizza. When's the last time that you were sitting at home, and looked at your girlfriend and said, "Honey, let's go out for Canadian tonight." Yeah, we don't have. There's no. Well, there's no Canadian cuisine. It's like okay, there's poutine, there's beer. Yeah, it's probably beer. Like yeah, it's, beer and wings. Uh, wings are buffalo though. Nothing's buffalo. Well, what are they? They're called buffalo style wings, not because they look like buffaloes, not because they're the size of a buffalo. It's the Anchor Bar, and that's where allegedly they've got the claim to it. Anywhere is where the buffalo style wings started. So there's no real Canadian cuisine. I hate to burst your bubble. But Montreal does. Montreal smoked meat, poutine. Uh, yeah, I um, guess. But that's not indigenous to all of Canada, though. You're not going to go to Calgary and say, oh, give me the smoked meat. But there, I'm saying if you come to Toronto, state, right? but if you come to Toronto and you, or you have somebody coming to Toronto, are you going to tell them you should eat this? We don't have that. We and have they, things to see. But, you go to different areas. Like you go to Little Italy, you go to... 
uh, the Danforth. I don't know if there's one specific food that we're known for. Craft beer is good here. There's a ton of that. But I don't know if there's a, a Toronto meal per se. Anyway, so we'll find out what Scotty's talking about. He may go over each and every food group from Chicago to get ready for this trip. He may talk to you about the nuances of Wrigley Field. I'm sure he's going to be talking about the Cubs and the Jays in Chicago, but the Jays better not be thinking of Chicago because they've got a couple of games before they head to Illinois. Uh, thanks for listening today. That was fun. Uh, the uh, the poll question, you can check that out. Questions, uh, you can check out on uh, the Twitter account, at TSN 1050 Radio, or uh, check my uh, account out as well. You can follow me, at TSN Mike Hogan. Mr. Narso, that was a very fun show today. Thank you for doing that. And, uh, yeah, Skriz, thank you, too. That's Michael Skrizniak. He's the technical guy here. Coming up, Scotty Mack, as we continue with the programming day here on TSN 1050.